Greetings, my peeps, and welcome to the All Things Basketball Podcast with your boy GD. In this episode for week 14, the player spotlight will be on Akeem the Dream Elijahwan. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Okay, guys, so we're doing the player spotlight for week 14, and we are doing it on Hakeem Olajuwon, otherwise known as Hakeem the Dream. Actually, in college, he was called the Nigerian Nightmare, so let's talk about him. Uh, He played center in the NBA. He was seven seven feet tall, right on the nose, and... 255 pounds so uh definitely standard size for a big man in the nba so big yet very nimble so let's talk about him he was born actually in on january 21st 1967 in no 1963 i'm sorry in lagos nigeria he was born, he was in a family of, he had six siblings, it was six siblings all together with, and his parents owned a cement company back in Nigeria. So they instilled the values in him of honesty, hard work, and respect. Uh, very much instilled that into him and his siblings as well. So his actual birth name is Akeem Abdul Elijahwan, and he actually went by the name of Akeem for um, up until about 1991. I'll explain that as we go along. So, uh, and the the name uh, Elijahwan means always being on top. So, uh, kind of ironic it seems. So, anyhow, so uh, Elijahwan started playing basketball at the age of 15. He mostly played soccer earlier in his, you know, as a youngster. He he would be like the goalkeeper, the goalie, basically. So he actually entered a basketball tournament at Muslim Teachers College back in Nigeria. Uh, He was actually on the handball team at the time that he tried out for this tournament um so he had to get permission to play in this tournament it was on a suggestion that he should play being that he was a pretty tall guy at the time initially he couldn't dunk a basketball if you can believe that um yeah at the time he couldn't dunk a basketball so he had to be taught that uh in 1980 He played with the Nigerian junior team in the All-African Games. Um, And this is an important point to point out for later. Um, I'll get into that. So he played in international, well, in national play, rather. And and for his country, for the continent of Africa. And then he immigrated to the U.S. uh, to... Um, to attend the University of Houston. Um, 
and he did that back in 19, uh, 1981, I want to say. Uh, Coach Guy Lewis invited him to a tryout, actually, thanks to a recommendation from a friend who saw him playing overseas and says, hey, you got to bring this kid in. Uh, he has something. So, so when Elijah Warren arrived to the U.S., actually, when he got to the airport at Houston, uh, there was no one to meet him at the airport. So uh, he he. Ends up calling um, Guy Lewis in the university there. He said, uh, yeah, just come on over. Take a, uh, told him to take a cab over to the school, which he did. So, uh, as they say, the rest is history. He was unable to be cleared to play um, in time. So, he ended up redshirting in his freshman year. So uh, he sat out his initial year. Uh, he ended up sitting out. So, um, but the skills that he acquired as a goalie and as a handball player served him well as a basketball player as far as mobility goes. So uh, those things served him well. So uh, he. He would then serve as a six-man uh, initially in his debut season, which was um, 1981-82. And uh, in that season, he scored 8.2 points per game, 6.2 rebounds, 2.5 blocks. And that was only in 18 minutes uh, of play per game, so... So he was slowly weaned into the system there. His team actually made it to the uh, fi Final Four, but only to lose to uh, North Carolina, University of North Carolina, with Worthy and Jordan and all those guys who ended up eventually winning the title that year. So, um, and then that team... The 1981-82 team went 25 and 8. So, then the following season, he ends up the starting center. But um, even before that, Elijah spent his summer because he was, he was, you know, he was the sixth man coming off the bench. But he wanted to prove himself as a starter. So, what he did was in the summer, uh, he went to work out with. Uh, Another former, um, he went to work out with actually Moses Malone of the Houston Rockets. You know, he's local in the area. So, um, so Guy Lewis sent him there to work out with Moses Malone to improve his game. In um, the summer of uh, 1982, and that really paid off for him. In fact, he came back. A totally different player than um, the six man you saw. So, so he ends up the starting center, and uh, here's the numbers he accumulated. As and it was such a transformation that they uh, they saw his moves and called called him a dream. So uh, that's where the Akeem the dream 
that's where the nickname comes up. And, uh, oh, his numbers, 13, so nearly 14 points per game, 11.4 rebounds. He was averaging over five blocks a game. Wow. Goodness. Yeah, so, um, yeah, he, he was a terror inside, to say the least, but we'll have plenty more to talk about in that regard, so. So in any event, and then he went on, uh, him along with Clyde Drexler, Larry Meshaw, Alvin Franklin, Michael Young, uh, also uh, uh, Reed Geddes, uh, those guys there. No, Benny Anders, I'm sorry, Benny Anders. They went to form what is called Five Slamma Jamma. And uh, that's for their uh, high-flying exploits uh, in dunking the basketball. So uh, a really kind of like throwback to the ABA days in the high flyers such as Julius Irving and those guys there. So anyhow, so that season they end up uh, finishing 31-3. and they make it all the way to the Final Four again. And they beat, in that Final Four, they were matched up against Louisville. Another team with a bunch of high flyers. Uh, the McCray boys were there. Lancaster Gordon. Uh, and they beat them in an epic matchup. I mean, this was like a dunking clinic this game. Um, in fact, it was one of the more entertaining entertaining games of the season and of course of the tournament but they ended up winning that game 94 to 81 and in that game Elijah Wan scored 21 points 22 rebounds and eight block shots goodness gracious yeah so that set them up for the NCAA finals against uh, North Carolina State they were the Cinderella story, of course, with Jim Valvano as their coach. And they end up being upset, actually, by North Carolina State. 54-52. to 52. I mean, they really slowed that thing down big time. And uh, NC State at the time was 26-10. and 10. And they won the game, actually, on a buzzer beater, uh... It was a tip-in by Lorenzo Charles. So um, he ended up being the um, most outstanding player in the tournament. He was named that um, in that tournament there. So um, yeah, so uh, not a great day for Houston there with that loss. So so they come back the following season. Of uh, 1983-84, uh, but this this go around, Clyde Drexler he goes on to the NBA. So so it's pretty much Elijah on there with Michael Young there still. Alvin Franklin I believe was there as well. So anyhow, so the 1983-84 season. He went to on the average 16.8 points per game, along with 13.5 rebounds, 
5.6 blocks per game, and he averaged uh, uh, 63.5% from the field goal range. And he, his team ended up 32-5. and five. And by the way, uh, he led the league in rebounds, blocks, and shooting percentage that year. Was named all team, first team All American, um, and then as we go on, he gets back to the NCAA finals in a epic battle against Patrick Ewan's Georgetown team, and that team was thirty four and three. Um, so this was a basically a clash of the titans. So. They ended up losing to Georgetown, 84 to 75. He did, uh, he did score 15 points, nine rebounds, and two blocks, but he was in foul trouble in that game. So, uh, which early foul trouble, which kind of uh, took the Cougars off of their game. So, uh, so they ended up losing to Georgetown. And then after the season, he was contemplating whether to declare himself eligible for the NBA draft. Um, and the thing was, he knew that it was the Houston Rockets and the Portland Trailblazers who would have to have a coin flip to see who would get the first pick. Uh, remember, guys, this was before the draft lottery was uh, installed and actually this draft believe it or not uh, kind of led to them instilling a lottery system so because what happened was Houston got the first overall pick the, the year before and picked Ralph Sampson and then they come back again uh, getting the getting in a coin flip for the first pick so Elijah felt in his gut that Houston would get that pick. So he said, you know what? I'm declaring myself eligible for the draft. He did that. And lo and behold, Houston wins the coin flip. So, um, so they end up selecting uh, Akeem Elijah in the 1984 draft. One of the legendary drafts. Uh, one of the legendary drafts in NBA history. And the funny thing was that <laughs> here was the deal. Um, they were going to select a large one, but they had a trade offer. They were offered a trade. Um, they were offered a trade uh, to Portland. So for Houston, they would give up Ralph Sampson, and send him to Portland for Clyde Drexler, who they picked the in 1983 draft, and the number two pick in the draft. So they would have had the first pick, the second pick, and Clyde Drexler. And they openly said that that second pick, they were going to pick Michael Jordan. So imagine this, guys. The Houston Rockets with Elijah Wan. Clyde Drexler and Michael Jordan. Good gracious, man! History could have looked quite different in the in the land of Houston, but 
you know, it didn't come to fruition, so these things happen. But that 84 draft, Elijah goes first. Jordan goes third because Portland actually chose Sam Bowie instead. Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, the fifth pick in that draft, Charles Barkley. And then down to 16 was a guy by the name of John Stockton. So, anyhow, um, just, and like I said, this draft became the reason behind the league instituting a uh, draft lottery. So, in any event, so Elijah Wan comes to Houston and his rookie season was nothing short of sensational. He averaged 20.6 points per game, uh, nearly 12 rebounds per game, 2.6 blocks per game. He shot at 53.8% from the field as well. Um, He made the All-Star game in his rookie season, and he ended up not winning Rookie of the Year. Uh, He actually finished second to... Of course, Michael Jordan. So, and then his team actually went from a twenty-nine and fifty-three record and improved to forty-eight and thirty-four. Actually, that was third. They ended up finishing third in the West. So, and then the combination of Elijah Wan and Sampson would form what would be called the Twin Towers. So. Uh, and then, uh, in that first season together, they lost to Utah in the first round of the, uh, 1985 playoffs, 1984-85 playoffs in a five, it was five game series back then in the first round and they lost to Utah three to two. So. The next season was very successful as well. Um, his second season, he scores 23.5 points per game, uh, 11.5 rebounds, 3.4 blocks, and two steals. And uh, as the team, uh, they actually finished on top. It, back then it was uh, two divisions, the Midwest and the Pacific. So... They finished on top of the Midwest division there. They in in that season, the 1985-86 season, in the playoffs, they defeat Sacramento Kings, the Denver Nuggets. Uh, they swept actually Sacramento in the first round, three three games to none. They beat Denver uh, four games to two. Denver at the time having uh. Alex English, Kiki Vandeway there. Uh, and they beat the L.A. Lakers, who were the defending champs at the time, uh, four games to one. And they reached the, the NBA Finals to face the Boston Celtics. And that was the legendary Boston team with Larry Bird, Robert Parrish, Kevin McHale. Dennis Johnson, Danny Ainge, and they had just added Bill Walton uh, that in the offseason. So uh, they ended up losing in six games to Boston. 
uh, in the finals. For Elijah he had 24.7 points per game, almost 12 rebounds per game, a little over three blocks uh, in that series uh, against Boston. But uh, the, the big thing in that series was they went out of their way to take Ralph Sampson out of the game, psychologically at least. They knew they couldn't do a thing with Elijah Wan. So their main focus was to get into Ralph Sampson's head. And that they did, especially the last two games. Um, in fact, it was game five, I want to say, that he had the uh, fisticuffs with uh, Jerry Seasting, uh, a guard for the Boston. And that really take, took his mind out of the, the series, so... So, in any event, they lose in six games. So, then in 1986-87, he put up similar numbers to what he did the season before, but the team struggles, finishing 42-40 and 40 as, actually, Ralph Sampson, his knees began to uh, give him trouble big time. He only played in 43 games that season, so... And they ended up losing in the semifinals to Seattle, four games to two. Then in 1987-88, he really stepped up his game, especially with Ralph Sampson now. They ended up dealing him early in the season. They dealt him to Golden State. So um, Elijah Ron really stepped up, scoring 22.8 points per game. Uh... A little over 12 rebounds, 2.7 blocks, 2.1 steals, uh, shooting 51.4% from the field as well. And the team finished 46 and 36. Um, they lost in the first round to Dallas. Uh, Mark, the, that team had Mark Aguirre, Roy Tarpley, uh, uh, Ronaldo Blackman. Um, so, uh, and actually, in that series, it was four game series in the first. Well, they didn't lose in four games. It was five game series, losing four games. But in that series, Elijah Wan sets a record for most points in a four game series with 150 points. So, he ends up averaging uh, 37.5 points per game, 16.8 rebounds, 2.8 blocks, 2.3 steals. So he absolutely came to play, but his team kind of let him down there. So. so the following season, which would be 1988-89, uh, this is his full season as the franchise player. And then also uh, his coach at the time, Bill Fitch, he was his coach the first his first few seasons. He goes now and in comes Don Chaney as the coach. And uh, he really stressed to Elijah Wan to be a defensive presence inside uh, 
really be active inside. So, and he did just that. He led the league in rebounds with 13 and a half rebounds per game while averaging 24.8 points per game, 3.4 blocks per game, and 2.6 steals per game. The team ends up with a 45 and 37 record and uh, and actually in this season he posts uh, he posts a quadruple double you know we all familiar with the triple doubles but it, he puts up a quadruple double and he is only one of four players ever in the NBA to do that and in that game which was on March 29th, 1990, he scores 18 points, 16 rebounds, 10 steals, and 11 blocks. Good gracious. Yeah, so um, so the other three players to have a quadruple double, Nate Thurman, he did it in uh, October 18th. 1974 and then Alvin Robinson did it uh but Alvin Robinson he's the only player here to have the quick quadruple double but he did it with steals he had over 10 steals in the game and he did at February 18th 1986 and then David Robinson he's the other person to do it and he actually does it four years after Elijah Wan. He does it February 17th, 1994. David Robinson, he's the guy I'll probably talk about. I'll probably talk about uh, Nate Thurman in time as well. He was pretty solid player. And Alvin Robinson was pretty good. So, But definitely going to have to do the Admiral. I can't wait to do that one. So, Anyhow, um... So, in this season here, uh, he loses in the first round, this time to Seattle in um, a five-game series, three games to one. So, um, then in 1990-91, let's move on there. Uh, actually, no, we'll go to 1989-90. Uh Kind of an underwhelming season record-wise. They finished with a 500 record, 41 and 41. But he was very uh, individually. He had one of his greatest, one of the greatest defensive uh, seasons by a center since the great Bill Russell. Uh, he ended up with 14, averaging 14 rebounds per game. And 4.6 blocks per game. Both of both of these uh, averages led the league, and he also scored, by the way, uh, 24.3 points per game and averaged a little over two steals per game. So, uh, so one of the finest uh, interior performances by a center um, since the days of Russell. And they uh, they actually got to the playoffs, but ended up losing in the first round, this time to the Lakers. 
three games to one. So, um, yeah, so as you can see, guys, a lot of first-round losses here uh, since that run to the finals. So, yeah, so let's move on. 1990-91, his life would change drastically uh, off the court with him becoming a truly devout Muslim and at the time cha legally changing his name from Akeem Olajuwon to Hakeem Olajuwon. Um, and his reasoning behind that, the name change, uh, this is what he said in regard to the name change. Uh, that he's changing the name, but he's um, he, he's not changing his name. He's correcting it. So the correct way to pronounce it is, is with the Hakeem. So. And he did that in uh, March of uh, 1991. So, um, and then uh, actually in that season... Uh, he actually missed 25 games, and that's due to a broken to broken orbital bones, which happened from a elbow that he got from Bill Cartwright. So um, he ended up having to wear goggles uh, at the time until you know the bones healed. So he didn't make the All Star game that year. Um, his team did finish uh, 52 and 30, and actually, Don Chaney ended up being coach of the year. Um, you know, probably given the fact that Lajuan had to miss all those games, and he still kept the ship afloat. So, uh, and Lajuan averaged for that season 21.2 points per game, 13.8 rebounds per game. Uh, nearly four blocks per game, and then a little over two steals per game. So, so let's continue on. 1991-92, he endured a coaching change in midseason um, when the Houston Rockets ended up firing <laughs> uh, Don Chaney. Mind you, Don Chaney just won Coach of the Year, go figure. And they fire him midseason. So, yeah. And they ended up hiring Rudy Tomjanovich at the time. And then, uh, and Olajuwon also in that season, he missed seven games due to a regular heartbeat. So, some more kind of health issues uh, plaguing Olajuwon at the time. They didn't make the playoffs that year they finished 42 and 40 so they missed out on the playoffs uh, he ended up averaging 21.6 points per game 12.7 rebounds 4.3 blocks per game and then uh 1.8 steals uh, he was embroiled in a actual contract dispute in the offseason of uh in the summer of 1992 and they, you know, they came to terms and ended up, uh, giving him his money. So, and rightfully so, um, 
Then in 1992-93, he uh he this is where real change took place. Um, in that off season, he decided to add a variety of moves, spin moves, jumpers to his game. Um, and actually he, uh, he had a move called the dream shakes. So, um, so he really added to his repertoire as far as offense goes. And it showed in the 1992, 93 season, um, and actually, the team began to turn the tide, uh, going to 55 and 27 that season. And actually, uh, late in that season, he becomes a natu naturalized U.S. citizen in April 2nd of 1993. So, um, and thing was. They were trying to get him on the original dream team, but he wasn't he wasn't a citizen at the time, so he couldn't make the team. So anyhow, um so Rudy Rudy T, Coach Rudy T instilled defensive principles and for the team and also had the team kind of feed off of Elijah Wan and his energy, so and it really paid off. Um, he ended up averaging uh 25 26, a little over 26 points per game, 13 rebounds, a little over four blocks per game, and then 1.8 steals as well. So, uh, the blocks he ended up leading the league in blocks, and he actually ended up defensive player of the year for that season. Uh, thanks to, again, Rudy T really is stealing that into him. So, um, and then he ended up finishing second in the MVP voting at the time, uh, finishing second to Charles Barkley, who was with the Phoenix Suns at the time. Uh, and then in the playoffs, they end up losing in the semi, uh, the Western Conference semifinal. Uh, finals to Seattle four games to three so um, so you know a little more progress than the first round knockouts there so and then in 1993-94 uh, this was easily his best season by far uh, as an NBA player he ends up uh, the league MVP, he ends up Sporting News MVP for the season. He becomes the first foreign-born player to win MVP honors. He also was named Defensive Player of the Year again, so he repeats with that. And then eventually he becomes an NBA champion and a Finals MVP. So uh, his numbers on the season... 27.3 points per game, about 12, close to 12 blocks per game, not 12 blocks, 12 rebounds, 3.7 blocks, 1.6 steals. He shot at 52.8% from the field. Uh, and in that march to the to a championship, he beats Portland in a five-game series, three games to one. 
Phoenix, he beats uh, four games to three. Uh, and, and that, yeah, yeah, four games to three. Uh, Utah, he beats four games to one. And then in the finals where he was matched up against uh, his college rival at the time, Patrick Ewan and the New York Knicks, and he beat them four games to three. Um, Knicks had him on the ropes in game six. Uh, John Starks was absolutely on fire and could have won the game, but actually uh, Keem Olajuwon block saves the game for Houston, and then in Houston, they... they um, Game seven, they just just ends up uh, winning that game. And mind you, Starks goes two for 18, of course, famously. In any event, so <laughs> to the dismay of Nick fans, uh, Lajuan gets his championship finally. So uh, the heartbreak, what can you do? <laughs> Moving on. In 1992... 1994-95 season, his team got off to a sluggish start, you know, coming off the championship season, but was reignited by a, by a midseason trade for Elijah Wan's college buddy, uh, Clyde Drexler. Uh, also in that season, he ends up missing eight games towards the end of the regular season with anemia he was diagnosed with anemia so he had to sit out a few games there so um he does end up on the season 27 point uh nearly uh actually his best scoring season of the of his career nearly 28 points per game 10.8 rebounds 3.4 blocks and 1.8 steals per game. And actually, his team enters the playoffs as the sixth seed. So pretty much, they had to be a road dog in every single series and actually marched all the way to a championship. Um, in, in those playoffs, they end up beating Utah in a uh, five-game series, three games to two. Of course, the combination of Carl Malone and John Stockton in that's for uh, Utah. And then Phoenix, they beat in a grueling seven-game series. Uh, and this this is the game where uh, Mario Ellie does the kiss of death to the Phoenix Suns to knock them out uh, with his, uh, uh, his three-point shot to seal it. Uh, San Antonio Spurs, where he absolutely destroys uh, the actually the league MVP at that time, David Robinson. Um, in fact, his numbers in that series, oh man, 35.3 points per game, 12 and a half rebounds, five assists, and four blocks were his averages per game so much so that <laughs> and the thing was Dennis Rodman at the time was with uh the San Antonio Spurs and he would not offer double team help on Elijah on his thing was 
David Robinson, you're the league MVP. You should be able to handle Elijah on 101. Didn't happen. <laughs> so, <laughs> so in any event, so they beat them four games to two. And then uh, they faced Orlando in the finals and swept them four games to nothing. And, of course, in that first game, it's infamous for the Nick Anderson free throw misses that pretty much sealed that first game. And then everything went downhill after that. And that's, and then actually Elijah Wan was matched up against a young and hungry Shaquille O'Neal. But absolutely destroyed him too. 32.8 points per game. 11 and a half rebounds. 5.5 steals, no, 5.5 assists, and two blocks per game in that series. So, and that's where Rudy Tomjanovich, the coach, uh, gives the famous speech at the end saying that you can never question the heart of a champion. And uh, Elijah Wan was the heartbeat of that team. Drexler was hungry. He wanted that ring so bad, you know, having those near misses. So, uh, so he ends up back-to-back champions. So, in the 1995-96 season, the playoff success, they, they never equaled that, um, what they did in that, uh, that two-season span there. Um, in fact, in 19... 97, 98, they added Barkley to the, no, 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 not in 19. Okay, from 1995 to 96 to 1997, 98, they could never equal the run that they had in those championship years. They did add Barkley to the team in 1996, 97, and made it all the way to the Western Conference Finals, only to lose to Utah four games to two. Oh, by the way, he did end up making Dream Team 2 in 1996 as a naturalized citizen. And on that team, the other two centers on that team, Shaquille O'Neal and David Robinson, the guys that he faced in uh, that championship run in 1995. So, uh, And he ended up getting a gold medal with that team is with that uh dream team there then his production began to slip in 1997 and 98 due to injuries he only averaged 16.4 points per game a little less than 10 rebounds two blocks uh, and only 48.3 percent from the field uh, and they ended up losing to Utah in the first round, three games to two. So, And then he saw his last playoff action with Houston in the strike shortened season, 1998-99, where they went 31-19. Uh, and 19, But they ended up losing in the first round to the upstart Lakers, who had Kobe Bryant and... Uh, Shaquille O'Neal coming over to the Lakers. And actually in that season, they added Scottie Pippen, but it was a bad mix. Clyde Drexler was gone by then. 
They still had Barkley, but Barkley was a shell of himself with the bad back. And him and Pippen never really got along. So, uh, so they ended up losing in the first round to the Lakers. Olajuwon plays two more seasons in Houston before moving on to play for Toronto one season. And he, after that one season, thus, uh, with that one season he spent in Toronto, he ends a 20-year stay in Houston where he stayed as a, both a collegiate player and as a pro player. So, And then... Um, after that season in Toronto, Elijah retires after the 2001-2002 season, and that's really due to reoccurring back injuries that he had. So, and then after that, after his playing career, uh, Elijah he taught uh, many of the young st stars in the NBA how to master their footwork, especially down in the post area. He had this camp called the Big Man Camp where guys like Yao Ming, Dwight Howard, even Kobe Bryant came there, as well as Amari Stoudemire and Carmelo Anthony. Um, Olajuwon attended David Stern's final draft as a commissioner in the uh, 2013 draft. And now remember, well, you might not know this. Uh, David Stern, when he caught, when he was overseeing his first draft, what draft was it? The 1994 draft. And the first player he calls, uh, Elijah Wan. So it comes full, full circle now. So Elijah Wan attended that. So, And then in the summer of 2015, Elijah actually appeared in a NBA Africa exhibition game. And of course he scores on a turnaround jumper. So, so Akeem Elijah, let's talk about his accolades, shall we? Uh, he retired as the all time leader in blocks. He was ninth in steals, 12th in points scored and 14th in rebounds. Um, well, this is where he stands right now, but he was much higher on the list when he actually retired. And with that, he became the only player to retire in the top 11 in, in four major categories, being blocks, steals, points, and rebounds. He was within the top 11 then, but now he's like 12 in, in points. And 14th in rebounds. So he still holds just about all the major records all time for Houston. Um, he had his jersey retired, his uh, number 34 jersey retired in 2000. A bronze monument was erected um, for him in Houston 2006. He was inducted into the Naismith Hall of Fame in 2008. And ironically, that same year, uh, his college rival and then pro rival, Patrick Ewan, was also inducted the same year. And he's also inducted into the FIBA Hall of Fame in 2016. 
He was named to the 50th and 75th anniversary teams. And as far as his NBA exploits, 12-time All-Star, 12-time All-NBA, 9-time All-Defense, a 2-time rebounding champion, a 3-time blocks champion, one MVP award, two Defensive Player of the Year awards, a two-time champion, a two-time finals champion, one Olympic gold medal, and according to ESPN's uh, list of the top NBA, NBA players all time, a list they conducted in 2016, Akeem Olajuwon ranked 10th among all-time players and then Slam Magazine, he was ranked 12th in that one. And then the website Hoops Hype, he is ranked 11th all time. Akeem Olajuwon. Uh, and it's funny because Ken Kendrick Perkins was talking about the, uh, the top foreign-born players when uh, Dirk Nowitzki retired. Um I got to say, he's up there. Dirk Nowitzki's up there. Make no mistake about it. But for me, the top foreign-born player ever to enter the NBA is this man I'm talking about here. Hakeem Olajuwon, we salute you, big man, for all your exploits in the NBA, even though you crushed my Knicks that one year, but it's all good. <laughs> uh, but... Akeem Olajuwon, we salute you, sir, and we thank you for all that you brought to the NBA and your exploits on the court as well. So, uh, so guys, that is it for this player spotlight. Then remember, for the month of February, Black History Month, I got a, a bunch of uh, players lined up. I'm actually going to do a three-for-one in the first week of uh February, um, three pioneers that I'm going to talk about, Earl Lloyd, uh, Nate Sweetwater Clifton, and Chuck Cooper. Uh, I'm going to do those three in the first first week. And then after that, we'll do Bill Russell. Of course, with Bill Russell, I'm going to have to do Will Chamberlain as well. And then a surprise player. Um, I'm going to keep that under my lid for the moment, so... All right, guys. So, again, I thank you for listening. Uh, this one was a great one. So, um, so guys, thank you for listening, and we will talk soon. Take care. So, my peeps, if you enjoy what you're listening to, you can follow me on my Facebook page, GD That Sports Dude. You also can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at GD That Sports Dude. And also on Twitter, you can find me at GD That Sport Dude. Also, you can email me at that sports dude GD at gmail.com. You can also support me through my Zelle at that same email address. And also on anchor.fm slash GD That Sports Dude. You can hit the support button there to contribute to this podcast and also like me there as well. And again, I thank you for listening to this content.